Hi everyone, my name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. where we talk about fan fiction. Each episode, the three of us bring a different fic to discuss. So, Reed, what did you bring this week? My fic is Home for the Holidays by Lexi. It is a Dream Daddy fic. Um, Technically, the relationship is Damien Bloodmarch, Dad Sona, but it's mostly about Amanda, who's the daughter. Uh, Brenna, what is your pick? Yes, my pick this week is The Marvels of Whitby by Sath. It is a fic... For the fandom medieval manuscript illustrations. So get hyped, y'all. Mick, what's your pick? My pick for this episode is called Out of the Night, an Interview with a Mockingjay by A Thousand Winds. And as you may have guessed from the title, it is a fic for The Hunger Games. Technically, I guess, Katniss Peta, it's pretty gen. So if you listened to the end of the last episode, you might be aware that this is a themed episode. Yeah, our theme for this episode is Yuletide in July. Um, we have done Yuletide fix on the pod before. Uh, mm-hmm. Nick loves a good deep cut. Um, <laughs> I think there have been a few Yuletide picks so far, but we thought it would be fun for all of us to bring a Yuletide fic. Um yeah, do we want to talk about, like, what Yuletide is? I think we've talked about it a little bit on the pod before, mm-hmm. but... For the noobs, Brenna, lay it on us. Yuletide is a fandom fic event that in its totality runs from the beginning of October to the beginning of January, starting with fandom nominations and ending with author reveals. Um, it's pretty widely participated in, at least for the last few years that I've seen the collections on AO3 often end up with about 2,000-ish works in them. So, you know, if one person is generating one work, approximately, you probably have a couple thousand participants. Um, one of the things that's really cool about it is the diversity of fandoms. So the whole point of Yuletide is to uh, concentrate on fandoms that are not as widely popular within um fic writing. So in order for a fandom to be eligible, it has to have less than a thousand works posted in it, either on AO3 or FF.net. So Yuletide usually kicks off with people basically nominating fandoms that they want to be eligible for participants to write in. Um, These can be sort of better known fandoms that are just small. So you might have things for pretty popular movies, movies that maybe just came out, TV shows that are popular that year, so their collections aren't that big. Um, And then you have like much smaller fandoms, fandoms for maybe childhood books that you loved, or a TV show that only like three other people in fandom have ever watched, or illustrated medieval manuscripts. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I'm pretty sure I have a fic in my marked for later from last year's Yuletide that was the fandom was like Amazon Prime commercial. So really, it can be anything that you find inspiring to write about. So you usually offer a few uh, to write in and a few to request from. They don't have to be the same, although many people, I think, have overlap because they're the ones you're interested in right now. Participants have like a couple months to write their fix, and um, fix are revealed on the 25th, and then author reveals come up on January 1st. Um, it's really cool. I did it last year for the first time, although I've been like aware of it for a long time. I had never participated. It was really fun. Um, I think 
my favorite part was the like signing up for it, going through what people had nominated as fandoms and seeing the creativity in that and then getting to write some really obscure like requests um, and prompts and stuff like that part. I don't know, it was so enjoyable. And I went through a lot of other people's like, dear author letters for Yuletide, uh, where you sort of put all of your likes and your dislikes and which fandoms you are offering or want, um, and all your thoughts, sort of thoughts about them. So I was like trolling through to see who had like offered or requested similar fandoms to me and like what they were thinking about. And it's just fun. I, I feel like it's a way to really sort of uh, take a step outside of your normal, like, potentially bigger fandoms and uh, connect with different people than usual. Yeah, I also participated in Yuletide for the first time this past year, um, but I had not really known about it. Um, I feel like I'm sure at some point in my in my fandoming, I must have come across something tangentially related, but I'd never really looked into it, so I didn't really know what it was. Um, and I had finally, after so long of saying I was going to do it, I'd finally read all the way through the Six of Crows series. Woo. Um, and I was like, Nick, I am suffering. Like, there is a thing that I so specifically want to see for this fandom, mm. but like, I'm not finding anything I want in the tag. And Sad. Nick was mm-hmm. like, I'm gonna fight you. <laughs> Big bummer. Um, Nick was like, well, why don't you sign up for Yuletide? I was like, I don't really know what that is. Um, but I looked into it and I was like, oh, hell yeah, maybe I will get some fic that I'm looking for, but also this maybe. just seems really fun. I am going to fight you. <laughs> Oh, okay. Ficklets. You know what? I'll, I'll we let all Nick tell it. We all wrote this year. Actually. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like. It's true. It's true. We did. Um, we'll get into that in a sec. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just like Bren said, it was so so fun to look at the fandom options. Like there were things I just simply never would have fathomed. It was like really fun trying to figure out what I wanted to offer. Um, like what I wanted to offer to write for because. I tried to, like, reach a little bit out of my comfort zone. I was like, oh, this is a thing that I've enjoyed and have never thought about writing for, but, like, maybe someone will want it. And then what I did end up getting assigned was a video game that technically I've never played, but I have (laughs) watched a playthrough, like, an entire playthrough that I think totaled to, like, 40-something hours. So I felt fine enough. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, wow, I sure am writing for a video game I've never played on a console (laughs) I've never owned. Um... I don't know. It was really fun. It was a really enjoyable experience. Um, and even, like, for this pod, like, looking for mm-hmm. fix, uh, I've gone through Yuletide and just seen what's out there. And there's there are so many interesting things. I My marks for later is, like, shamefully long and things just get lost in there. But there are a number of Yuletide fix that are... You're talking to me about shamefully <laughs> long marks for later? Yeah, that's true. Bretta's is worse than mine. But yeah. I do have, like, a number of Yuletide fix that are just sort of... You know, maybe I'll get to them some someday. They're in there. They're in my marked for later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so hey, Nick. Mm, yeah. What's what's your experience with this past deal said? I'm gonna oh, yeah. leave the room. I can't be here for this. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, no. Yeah, so unlike these two, I did not sign up for Yuletide last year, um, as a participant in the exchange portion of it. So there's kind of two parts of Yuletide. There's like Yuletide proper and then there's Yuletide Madness. Uh, where you just kind of get to go wild on all of the available prompts. You see something, you write it, you just do it, which I appreciated. Um, between, like, December 20th and, like, January 10th, maybe, of last year, I think I published, like, five fix to AO3. Yeah, it was <laughs> not absurd. It was a really wild time for me. I just was finishing a lot of stuff at the same time. So um, I had talked to Bren about this. We did some scheming. Um, and 
Um, I knew that, like, Reed wanted a very specific fic out of Yuletide, and, like, I love Six of Crows, I read it, I wanted similar fic to exist. Um, unfortunately, it didn't, so I figured, write the fic you want to see in the world. My favorite part of it, though, was that Yuletide- No! <laughs> no! <laughs> yes! Yuletide fics go up oh. anonymously. <laughs> So I, in like literally, I think a total of four hours, I wrote like a thousand words of Six of Crows fic. I was like, eek, I don't think I had it baited. I was just like, whatever. <laughs> Did you I might it have for- read it for you, but that's not saying a lot because I've never read Six of Crows. So I feel like I might have read just to be like, is this comprehensible? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I just, I slapped it together. I was like, let's go. We're doing this. <laughs> 1,000 words of, like, post-canon Kazinesh fic. So I posted it. I was like, yeehaw! (laughs) Here we go! Um, And lo and behold, that day received a very nice comment from Reed that was like, OMG! Like, this was my favorite part! I really liked it! I got a text from Reed that was like, oh my god, the Six of Crows fic I got, you need to read it. no, it wasn't a text! It was, I FaceTimed you on Christmas! Oh my god! And I was like, Nick, I need to read you lines from this fic yeah. that I love. And I was like, okay. As Nick is like cackling to themselves, texting Brenna. <laughs> I was, I remember that. Yeah. Sometimes. It really brought me a lot of like joy as well. Listen, sometimes you become friends with someone because they write really good fic and then you kind of forget that they can still write you things, especially when they have four other projects going on simultaneously. So at no point in your brain does it register Nick is being sneaky. And instead I was just like, look at this fic that is exactly what I wanted. Wow, how crazy. How convenient that you oh. like, it had stuff that you didn't even mention in your dear author letter, <sighs> but that you really liked about the series. Yeah, it's it's so funny to watch from the outside because <laughs> Nick was like, I'm going to write this thing for Reed. I was like, okay, awesome. Like, I love that. Um, and then you wrote it so fast. Mm-hmm. And I have I rem- no time. Like, it's just so fun. It was so funny to watch. Like, I don't, I'm trying to remember if you were specifically like, like, oh, I think Reed likes this or like, I think Reed likes that. But um, it was very funny <laughs> to like watch Reed oh. freak out about it so much and to know how like targeted it was. Yeah, that's why I was like, that's why I knew for sure that the reveals were on January 1st, because I was like counting down uh, the uh-huh, days. I was uh-huh. like, I'm gonna die with this secret. Reed was so mad. <laughs> the texts I got that morning were like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm gonna kill you. Oh, the sincerity of friendship. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Yuletide is a joy and an absolute yeah. delight. Honestly, maybe I'll sign up for Yuletide 2020. I probably will. Oh yeah, I was planning on it. Squad. Squad. I mean, like, I think the other thing that's really nice about it compared to other exchanges that I've participated in is I feel no pressure, like, with mm-hmm. Yuletide. Like, I ended up writing for the hit HBO drama Westworld. Um, yeah. It was good. And I was like, it this was can be a short and... the show, but I love that <laughs> Thank you. But I was like, this can be as short and as weird as, like, I want. And it doesn't really have to, like... I think sometimes when I'm writing fic, I'm very aware both what I want out of it, but that I want the other people participating in the exchange in this probably pretty, like, insular fandom to enjoy it. Like, I want my friends to really like it. Like, I'm very conscious of, like, my audience for it. And for something like that, like, I don't know Westworld fandom. I, like, briefly looked at the tag to make sure I wasn't just, like, writing something that someone else had already written. And then I was just like, do-do-do, off on my own. And, like, because it's small, because it's not a big fandom, because it's not the fandom I'm in, I'm not, like, 
checking my kudos or my comments. Like, it was really nice to get some nice comments on it, but I don't know. I just loved how low stakes it felt to me personally. Because um, I think sometimes that's like a barrier for me to want to publish things is like, oh, it just feels so big sometimes. <laughs> and so it's really nice to just like write a little thing that's just off in the corner doing whatever you want. Yeah, I was well, shocked when I saw people who were not read comment on my fic. I was like, oh, people can see this. <laughs> yeah, I like only expected a comment really probably from the person I was gifting it to because I think that's standard yeah. operating procedure um, is mm-hmm. to read and comment on the fic you were gifted. Um, but it was really nice that like other people read it. I was like, oh, hey. It kind of reminds me of, um, I had seen somewhat recently on Twitter, just some people were talking about like, um, how much, I don't want to say how much more meaningful, that's not quite right. But people were talking about when they post something in a small fandom or like a pod fic or something that traditionally like wouldn't gain as much traction as maybe like another fic or fan work you might post Mm -hmm. um people were talking about how much they loved like every single interaction they got at that like every kudos and every Mm -hmm. comment i don't want to say like meant more but it it Mm. is impactful well it's just like (laughs) that's how i feel at least yeah i don't know because i had a similar thing where i had um someone who was not like the person i was gifting to leave like a really nice comment on my fic and i was like wow like this means so much to me because who who is looking in the Horizon Zero right. Dawn tag for yeah. a 3K fic that's Jen? But like, oh, you found this and you liked <laughs> yeah, it, and like yeah. that means a lot. Yeah, I felt in some ways like I. Hmm. Does this metaphor make sense? Like I was attending my own funeral because okay, uh, okay, okay, okay. Not, maybe not a funeral, but like you were an outside presence at something. I can sort understand of. that. Well, because I was going to say, I feel like comments while you're anonymous are like really nice. Like I got to see uh, what Reed uh-huh. thought of my fic without knowing that I wrote it. Garbage. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> no, it is true. And it was like every other fic I think I've posted on AO3, a lot of the comments I've received are from people I know. Because again, mm-hmm. I was posting in smaller fandom, well, not necessarily smaller fandoms, but smaller like pairing tags mm-hmm. or for exchanges where I like knew the other people participating. So then you go through all the fix that were just posted for that exchange. Um, and so like, yeah, I get comments from people I don't know, but it was really kind of fun to get pretty much only comments from people yeah. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> hello. We're here for my writing and not my sparkling personality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't know my tweets. Well, should we get into yeah. our Yuletide picks? Yes. So my pick for this episode is Home for the Holidays by Lexi. It is a dream daddy fic. Um, the relationship is Damien Bloodmarch, Dad Sona. Um, welcome, folks. We are back once again in Reed's Video Game Corner. Um... I you promise. Jingle. Yeah, I guess I do. Yeah, that's Read really true. Video game corner. Nice. I'm into that. Thank you. I won't remember it. Next time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I'll just save the audio clip oh, okay, and then when okay, I'm editing, okay. I'll yeah put it in. Um, <laughs> I promise we'll leave here soon. But for now, we're back. Um, back to back video game fix. As I also talked about video games for Yuletide, just staying on trend. Um, just to give you some context for this fix. Uh, so, Dream Daddy is a visual novel dating simulator game. Um, you are a single dad who moves into a new house in a cul-de-sac that's populated with other single dads. Wow. Um, it's largely a humorous game that pokes fun at the genre and at itself. Um, as the player character, your daughter is Amanda, and that's whose POV we're in for this fic. 
So in the game, the player character's previous partner and Amanda's other parent um, passed away an indeterminate amount of time in the past, although I think both the game and this fic uh, assume that it's been a number of years. Um, the vibe between like the player character and Amanda is very much like more best friends than what I would call like a quote-unquote traditional um, like parent-child relationship. They are like very casual with one another. Um, they're very close. Um, the point in which the game takes place is a couple of months before the end of Amanda's senior year of high school, um, and some of the game narrative revolves around her going to college, and this fic takes place just after her first semester. Um, Congratulations, Amanda! Woo! You did it! For a whole year. Ha- uh, for a semester. semester. For a whole semester. For a whole semester. Oh, yeah, because they, they come back and celebrate winter holidays. Yes. Okay, okay, yes. okay. So the other key characters in this fic, um... As I mentioned, technically the pairing of this is Dad Sona, Damien Bloodmarch. Um, so Damien Bloodmarch is one of the romanceable love interests. Um, all of the NPCs have a sort of like caricature that they lean into, and his is that he is a goth vampire. So his Woo! house is like a manor. Sorry. Um, wait, uh, Bren, you love a good, you love a good goth Vamp- Victorian vampire aesthetic. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, something I unfortunately realized while reading this fic is that. Um, is although I have not played the game, I would have romanced Damien Bloodmarch, so. Feels right. Just know that about me, ficklets, I guess. <laughs> Rip. <laughs> He's like, you go to his house in the game and he has like a manor that's been like as accurately styled to the Victorian era as possible. His dislikes is the Edwardian era. Um, he gets mad if you call his cloak a cape. Um, it's very funny. Also, just a fun tidbit that brings me a great amount of joy is on one of the dates you can go into his library and if you're perusing around you can pick up a book and it's naruto fan fiction that's in like a fancy hardcover binding and he's like that's my personal collection guest on fit click and then along with damien the other character you need to know is his son lucian um lucian is very much your stereotypical sullen emo teenager who like is in his rebellious phase and he's like too cool for everything um He's also friends with another NPC's son, Ernest, um, who is in this fic a little bit too. I feel like maybe the most salient point about Lucian from game canon is that uh, at one point he lures Ernest into the basement of their high school to cask of Amontillado him by literally building a brick wall around him while live streaming it. Hell um, yeah. These Gen Z kids. These Gen Z kids. That goes hard. Yeah. Um, which is just to say this game is like, delightful and i think the characters are so fun and funny i don't really think there are any content warnings for this fic um so as i mentioned this fic takes place from amanda's point of view at the end of her first semester of college she comes home and she's like very much looking forward to going through her like usual winter holiday traditions with her dad um and when he picks her up he has sort of like a little fretful conversation with her at a diner where he's basically like how would you feel about doing some of our traditions with Damien and his family? And Amanda's like, okay, yeah, like you care about each other a lot. Like, I'm fine with this. Um, And it's mostly like Amanda dealing with like Lucian being an absolute brat and trying to ruin like all of their traditions. Um, Her like really liking Damien, but also struggling a little bit with the fact that she was expecting some time with just her dad. And now she's like not really getting that. Um, Something that I really loved about this fic is that I felt like it was so in tone with the game. Um, I played the game when it first came out in 2017. A bunch of my friends and I like really got into it. We played it like obsessively for a very short amount of time, like went through all of the routes. And then I forgot about it uh, until I found this fic. Um, 
so when I had first read the fic, I had not played the game since it came out. Um, and then before I did a reread of it, I played a little bit of the game and it really, I think, just absolutely nails the humor. One of the things I love most about the game is the relationship between the dad and Amanda. And I thought this fic really extrapolated on that in like a really wonderful and well done way. Um, and I also just thought it did its POV very well. Like it felt so true to an 18 year old who, um, you know, like likes to think of themselves as like mature and growing, but also like is dealing with the fact that like she's away from home for the first time. She's like in an unfamiliar situation. She's coming back and realizing that like things are not always going to stay the same, that like her town that she's grown up in her whole life, like continues to move on even when she's not there. Um, I just thought it like dealt with Amanda really, really well. And, and I thought the communication between the characters, um, in a lot of different ways between like Amanda and Lucian and between the dad and Damien, like I just thought that was all really well done. So I really enjoyed this fic. It was really fun for me. Um, would love to know your thoughts. Well, I've been afraid of changing because I built my life around you. But time makes you <laughs> bolder. Children get older. I'm getting older too. Yeah, I really like this thing. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It's just what I was thinking of as you were speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really like this fic. Um, I think I, as someone who has never played the game Dream Daddy, um, I don't, I don't game a lot, excuse me? <laughs> you have a problem with the game Dream Daddy? No, your enunciation was so funny. <laughs> Dream Daddy. <laughs> well, it's just uh, like, and I've never played the game Dream Daddy. I haven't. How, how, I, I've never played the game Dream Daddy. I don't know what you oh, want from me. Voice acting. Oh, voice acting. <laughs> My terrible accents. Uh, no, I've never played the game Dream Daddy, and I don't play a lot of games in general. I feel like we've been every time we go to Reed's video game corner, Brett and I have to be like, we're game illiterate. But you know, mm-hmm. I, I guess I should just speak for myself. I'm game illiterate. I think no, Brett is more than I am, but I don't think so though because. Mm. I might have played, like, a couple of the games, but what I've never done, ever, really, in my life, except that one time I did watch Griffin's Nuzlocke Pokemon run, mm-hmm. is I, I don't know, like, game streaming. I feel like, Nick, mm. you've watched streams of some games, so yeah, I yeah. think that that sort of evens us out. Like, okay. you know a few games via streaming, I know, like, three games that I've played, and that's I've it. I've played a couple of games. Okay. I liked it a lot. I thought that it was a really great POV character in Amanda. I thought she was great as a, we assume, 18 or 19 year old at this point. I thought it was like age appropriate without being like way over the top. I thought it was funny. I thought that Amanda was in some ways very relatable. She mentioned having like once had a four month rebellious phase. Like that's relatable. (laughs) Like maybe one time I was a little bit rebellious and I was like, never mind. (laughs) Actually, we're cool. Um, I thought the the way that it set up scenes was really nice. It felt very easy to follow, um, which doesn't sound like a super high compliment, but like it really is. Writing scenes that are like legible easily is very hard when people like have to write characters moving through space. So that was one thing that I appreciated about it and thought that it did particularly well. And then just the changing dynamics between characters I thought was really well done. We'll get into more, I think, the platonic relationships in this fic specifically. 
and maybe a little bit about the one romantic relationship, but it didn't have that much development. So yeah, well, maybe, maybe a little bit. Um, yeah. Overall, though, fun introduction to Dream Daddy. The true introduction was Reed posting in our chat being like, this is Damien, this is his son Lucian, here's what they do and what happened. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's not what I thought this game was, but I'm ready for it. I thought it was like all just like normal dads. Mm -mm. These these are like dads plus. (laughs) (laughs) It is dads plus. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I have also never played the game Dream Daddy. Um... But I do remember it being popular. Like, I contemplated playing it, but then I, by the time that I was like, maybe everyone had already played through it. I don't, I don't go. I get the impression it's not that long a game. Uh, when to I play. logged into my Steam account to uh, like replay it, it said that I had spent a total of twelve hours on it, and yeah. I did all of the routes. So oh, yeah, wow. exactly. So, um, but I do remember a little bit about people like posting like their dad sonas the- <laughs> from the game, and like some of the other like romanceable, r- romanceable, yeah, romanceable <laughs> um, dads. Mm-hmm. And I definitely do remember people posting about Lucian or not Lucian. That's the wrong person posting about Damien. Um, and, like, I remember thinking, like, that's a very funny concept, but <laughs> I liked getting to engage with it more here and, like, what Reed had put in our chat about, like, Damon as a character was really funny. Um, but overall, like, yeah, this book did a great job of being accessible to people who haven't played the game, um, which I think is also a real skill. Um, I really like the character of Amanda. Um, she's very fun throughout this. I thought, like, like, I don't know what she's really like in the game, because, again, I haven't played it, so I don't know, like, what her dialogue is like or stuff like that, but... Very much like this. <laughs> yeah, her POV is so fun to be in. Um, I think there are these more serious moments that she has either with her dad or actually, like, one conversation that she has with um, Lucian, like, Damien's kid. But for the most part, her, like, internal monologue is really funny. Um, I just really enjoyed reading that. Um I think it can be a challenge to write something truly funny, and this fic definitely had moments where I genuinely was laughing, um, and that I was just, like, very charmed by it overall. Uh, I think one of my favorite bits, actually, is, like, when Amanda goes to the uh, holiday party that Damien is hosting, and she's describing what the house looks like all decorated and she says to us that everything looks classy and queer and old as heck and I was like that's exactly how I want all of my parties to look <laughs> like this this is absolutely the goal here um no I also genuinely really liked the character of Lucian like Damien's high school aged moody angsty teenage son um I know, like, he kind of exists in this fic to ruin some of the things that Amanda and her dad are doing together, but he's so fucking funny to me, and, like, Amanda is a relatable character, but I think so is Lucian in many ways. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know, I just, like, I, even if I can't relate to him personally, I feel like I totally knew kids like him growing up, both in, like, the sort of angsty emo side, but also, like... He has this sort of, like, pseudo-obsession with Marxism, where he doesn't actually know anything about Marxism or about, like, Karl Marx as a person or author, but he just likes to throw around, like, the proletariat, you know? Um, and it really reminds me of these kids I went to high school with. 
it's unfair to these people I went to school with to say they're exactly like Lucian because I think they genuinely did read like the Communist Manifesto while we were in <laughs> high school. Like it's not like they completely didn't have like a foundation, but when reading Lucian's character, I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, that high school phase where like you encounter one theorist or like one idea that like exists outside of your like AP history class, um, and suddenly you think you know exactly how to fix like the entire government structure. Like it's so good in that regard. I thought it was so funny. Well, one of my favorite lines in the fic is when they go to look at, like, houses that have decorated, like, with, like, lights up in their yards and stuff. And there's a house that just has a ton of, like, Winnie the Pooh characters and, like, specifically, like, Pooh Bears, like, all across its yard. Um, And Lucian goes, this is a classic example of the proletariat losing out to the bourgeoisie. The silence in the car practically vibrated. Are the Poohs the proletariat? Dad asked. (laughs) Yeah, that line killed me. Like, oh, this fic was just so on it in terms of the humor of the game. And also, Bren, I agree, like, Lucian is just such a fun character. And I really like, too, that you find out later that, like, he wasn't even, like, one of those kids who's being pseudo-intellectual about Marxism. He just had, like, there was one of those kids in his morning class who would stand up every morning and, like, (laughs) this kid would give his own version of the manifesto and Lucian was like, this is so annoying that I will just copy it down and then recite it back later when I have to hang out with, like, my dad and his partner. Right, what's the most annoying thing I can think of to regurgitate onto these people? Oh, it's this kid in my homeroom. So, going back to that excerpt you just read, Reed, um... Something that I think about when I'm writing, and especially when I'm writing scenes with characters' parents in them, is how the character would refer to the parent in the narration. Um, Because I think it really varies, and I don't tend to write about many characters who refer to their parents or address their parents by their first name. Um, Or I guess, like, last name? I don't know, by a name. (laughs) So, um, I think that makes it hard then to write the narration, because, like, do you commit to, like, mom said this and like did that if it's an adult character then do you commit to that as well i feel like that's different sometimes with like if you're writing from like a child's pov or like a teen um but do you do you then just use their first name and does it feel kind of off in the character's head do you refer to them only as character's mom the entire time it gets it gets confusing um and so i think it was interesting to me to see the choice that was made in this fic to just call the character dad um, the character of the dad, Sona, technically has a name in this fic. His first name is what, Max? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, I guess he could be referred to as Max, but in the game, to my understanding from asking Reed, um, uh, you make your dad's name. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, my dad's name would be Daddy Fresh. <laughs> and that would be your right. If I were to play <laughs> Dream Daddy, but I probably won't. Uh, well, maybe. You could loan it to me. I could. Okay, maybe I will. Maybe I will. If I do, I'll post screenshots on the Twitter of my dad, Daddy Fresh. Not my dad. <laughs> the, the dad and the... My dad, Sona. Daddy Fresh. <laughs> you'll see. If I do it, you'll oh. see. If I don't, you probably will be relieved. <laughs> we I just you win. We only bring top quality content to our ficlets over on Twitter. Yep. Yeah, but like the fact that the dad doesn't have a name traditionally that matches across every single person's experience of the game means that it makes a ton of sense that the author would choose to just refer to the dad as dad from Amanda's POV. Not only because Amanda's fairly young and calls him dad, but also I think because there is that sort of shared lack of unity uh, when it comes to the dream daddy fandom. 
I just want to talk about, I think, my favorite scene of the fic. Oh. Um, so they go to, as Brenna alluded to before, they go to a um, holiday party at Damien's house. Um, and Amanda immediately is like, I'm going to sneak off and get myself some mold wine. Let's go, Amanda. Hell yeah. And she goes into the kitchen, and as she's, like, pouring herself a mug, she hears Damien and her dad approaching. So she kind of ducks and hides behind a kitchen island. And she's just totally frozen as she hears the two of them discussing. Um, they think that they've pushed their kids a little bit too far with, like, trying to bring their families together this holiday. Um, and Amanda's sort of like, oh, God, like, I'm not supposed to be overhearing this. Like, what do I do? So she texts her dad silently, like, help, dad, I'm lost in the house. And he's like, you're in a house? And she's like, the library. Oh, God, it's so big. And he's like, Amanda, normally I wouldn't say this to you, but go towards the light. Like, their back and forth is very fun. But the image of, like, Amanda huddled under a kitchen island, like, pressing the phone against her so that they won't see the light yeah. as she tries to get Damien and her dad out of the kitchen was very good. And then immediately after that, she goes outside to sort of clear her head and she sees Lucian sitting on a bench. And they sort of broker a truce where he's like, yeah, I don't know shit about Marxism. I'm sorry, I've been an asshole. And she's like, okay, well, it's, I guess, nice that you're owning up to the fact that you've been a little bit of a jerk. But they both are kind of just like, yeah, like, this is tough and weird, but our dads really care about each other. And they seem like they're in this for the long haul. So, like, maybe we should go at this, like, together instead of just getting on each other's nerves. And I thought it was, like, a really sweet scene. I just thought it was, like, really well done. Um... And sort of as we've all said before, like, I think the POV was so well, like, I thought the dialogue just fit so well for their ages and, like, for what their dynamic would be. Like, I felt like it just really nailed it. Mm -hmm. I love that scene. It was just, like, so well written. Like, this is what I mean when I say that I felt like I had such a good idea of, like, exactly what was happening. Like, you could absolutely picture her kind of curled up underneath and hiding the light. It had such a good awareness of physical detail. Um, which, like, is one of my greatest weaknesses as a writer, so I think I notice it even more when I see folks doing it well. Um, yeah, and, like, who, who among us has not been sort of awkwardly stuck overhearing a conversation because to make yourself known means, like, they know you've heard everything and it's like, oh, yikes. Um, so I thought that was, in, in one sense, horribly relatable. Um, but in another sense, I think really interesting to see to me, that scene felt like one of the biggest moments where we see the intersection of Amanda as, like, a child and as an adult at the same time, where she's like, oh, God, like, my dad, like, doesn't want me to hear this. Like, oh, I have to hide and, like, concoct this plan. And then also, like, her own acknowledgement of the fact that, like, she hasn't been maybe communicating as well as she would like to have been and that she needs to talk to her dad. And then they, they make a plan for him to talk to her anyway, so it's fine. But I think that she... Like, you really see kind of the, the growing maturity in her in this. Not that I, like, knew her as a child. Maybe she was always like this. <laughs> but <laughs> who can say? Um, but for me, I thought that it was, like, just such a well-written coming-of-age character. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, well I just, done. I really love Amanda so much in the games, which I think mm -hmm. is part of the reason why I loved this fic. Um, I was thinking about, just a very small note, Nick, the beginning of this you're like oh you're a completionist there isn't there is an achievement on steam that i refuse to get where like throughout the game you just pick all of the dialogue app options that are like mean to amanda and then like her no. ending because like the way that the game ends is that like you throw her a surprise birthday for graduation Aww. and like whoever you're sort of like 
chosen path for dad is like shows up uh, and there's that's like the romantic scene at the end okay um but i guess there's a version where like that just doesn't happen because you're really mean to amanda and i've never i've refused to get it that's like, horrible i will not be mean to her i love her that's she's great that's my daughter that is my daughter <laughs> yeah i i just wanted to mention the end really quick because i thought it was very cute and funny um so throughout the uh fic Amanda and her dad do a number of holiday activities. Um, they, they, as a family, celebrate both Christmas and Hanukkah. Um, and one of the activities that they've done this year is watch a number of Hallmark Christmas movies. Um, and I think actually the, the thicker refers to them as greeting card company movies, yeah. <laughs> which Very I thought good. was really funny. But, um, yeah, so they watched a bunch of those, and that was one of the events that Lucian kind of tried to ruin. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know, he's not that bad a kid in this. Like, I don't, you know, he's just kind of obnoxious. Um, but then at the end, uh, Amanda and Lucian sort of team up to create another family get-together on Christmas Day, and... Lucian finds them a Hallmark Hanukkah movie, and... Um, your the dad is like so touched and emotional about yeah. it, and Lucian just sort of like, well, it wasn't that hard, you know, like in typical teenager fashion. But I just thought it was like really charming, and I like that it sort of also played into a bit of like a almost Hallmark movie like ending. I I don't think it does it like in a too cheesy fashion, but um, I mean. Like, how do you wrap up, like, a little holiday fic? You know, I think that's kind of a tough thing to ask, actually. Um, and I just like that it, while, while maintaining its tone, it sort of leaned into, like, the cheesy holiday movie ending a little bit, too. Like, everyone's together. Like, the kids have worked it out. Like, there's sort of this symbolic gesture, and everyone's happy. And I thought it was, it was just good. I just thought it was clever on the author's part. Yeah, so that was Home for the Holidays. Um, it's a very funny, very sweet little fic. Um, I think as my co-hosts have attested to, you can read it with absolutely no knowledge of the game and still just have a good time with it. Um, I thought it was a really well done perspective on Amanda, um, and sort of the type of person she'd be at that age. And it just, I just had a lot of fun reading it. I really enjoyed it. Made me happy. Um, I'm glad you guys also liked it. Alright, so my pick this week is called The Marvels of Whitby by Sath. Um, like I've mentioned before, the fandom is medieval manuscript illustrations. Um, it is a short, just like just over 1k fic um, that's basically a series of letters between two monks, Brother John and Brother Matthew. Um, it's very funny. Uh, it's It sort of brings up the question of like, what do we call fan fiction? Um, like, I don't know exactly what, like, you're, like, these, these characters of Brother John and Brother Matthew, I think, are more just sort of general historical, like, caricatures a bit. Um, and, and the things that are actually being pulled out of, like, a text are more these creatures that one of them claims to be seeing that are references to actual, uh, like, marginalia, like, um, little illustrations in the margins of historical illustrated manuscripts um it's yeah it's 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 
a really funny fic. It's incredibly lighthearted. I did not know what it was what it was going to be when I clicked on it. Although the character tags for it are not Brother John and Brother Matthew. They are Battle Snail, Barnacle Goose, and Medieval Penis Tree. So I feel like that gives you a little bit of an idea <laughs> of what's going to go on. Um, yeah, it's basically like one of them continues to claim that they are seeing these sort of wild happenings and um, non-existent creatures. And the other one is like, no, like those don't exist. I will just be out here with my bees who are part of God's work. Um, <laughs> I think there's a line that's like, leave behind your fan, sorry, <clears throat> leave behind your fantasies of barnacle geese and embrace the bee instead. <laughs> It's so good. We can probably read some lines from it in a little bit because it's really delightful. Um, first, however, I wanted to... I know I'm not going to make this a corner. We're not venturing anywhere. But I just wanted to give you a little bit of art, art historical context. <laughs> um, because I think I think it's valuable to have if you want to read this fic, which honestly I would highly recommend all of you to do. There really are no content warnings for it. It is Gen. It is rated G. It's just so funny. Um, but yeah, so in case you're sitting here like Brenna, what are illuminated manuscripts? Like what are marginalia? Let's discuss ficlets. So, illuminated manuscripts um, basically refer to texts. Uh, they exist throughout history, but the period that we would be talking about here would be, like, medieval. Um, that's when a particular sort of type of illuminated manuscript appears. Um, they're generally religious Christian texts in this context, uh, created out of the monastic tradition, so monks, um, writing them and generally coming out of like what is now the UK. So it sort of starts with like the late antique period and runs up through a number of others, including like Insular and Carolingian to Gothic. Um, and that whole sort of period is like when these texts are sort of being produced heavily. Uh, they aren't just like the Bible, they're other gospel books as well, um, and many books of ours. If you want to Google a couple to sort of check out what they would look like, um, some of the most famous ones are probably the Lindisfarne Gospels or like the Book of Kells. Um, they. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> I took a whole class on this shit, y'all. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> But yeah, they generally include like very uh, ornate text, um, like very fancy calligraphy, basically, uh, and lots of illustrations as well. The illumination in it refers to the illustrations as well as like the gold leaf that's commonly used. I do want to say that while the manuscripts that are referred to in this text and or this text, haha, the manuscripts that are referred to in this fic. Um, are, are Christian, are European, that is not the only tradition that illuminated manuscripts exist within. Um, there's actually, I mean, like they exist all over the world at this time. Um, but one of the other really big, uh, like producers of famous illuminate, illuminated manuscripts would be like the Islamic tradition. Um, at the same time, they are creating incredible pieces of art um, that are both have similarities and differences. They sort of began out of uh, like a religious context as well, although I think they moved secular faster than the European tradition. Um, and the art is often quite different, um, but similar kind of 
a similar concept. They're both illuminated manuscripts. You know, they sort of center on these, uh, aesthetically, it centers on sort of the calligraphy, these drawings, these illustrations. Um, but something that exists within sort of all illuminated manuscript traditions um, is also what is called marginalia. Um, marginalia can be a lot of different things, and it exists without, like, it exists outside of illuminated manuscripts as well, um, just as, like, notes, um, stuff like that that authors throughout history have included. Uh, but basically just re- references anything that's in the margins of a text. <laughs> and in at this time, in these, like, medieval manuscripts, uh, a lot of them are, like, little doodles and little pictures that kind of match the aesthetics of everything else going on, but instead of being, like some angels or something that's probably like the bigger picture on the page. They're very strange (laughs) and often include sort of fantastical animals. um, Lots of snails with swords for some reason. Oh, hell yeah. We love a good snail with a sword. Like uh, lots of depictions of of monks and nuns in sort of weird situations. Um, They can get pretty sexual too, although this this fic doesn't... Well, this fic does include a penis tree, I think, but um, which is a real illustration but (laughs) um yeah like they're just strange and delightful and that's sort of the thing that this fic is playing with anyway so that's my short little history lesson i'm so sorry everyone i told my co-host it'd be a 30 minute ted talk i don't think it was 30 minutes but no you did great it was a good um, ted talk i mean this fic is so short i did want to kind of provide that as some of like what we talk about because i think Knowing a little bit about what this is coming out of is makes it a little bit more impactful. And I think also I would highly recommend like Google, just Google like medieval manuscript marginalia or something and take a look at some of these little illustrations because they're whack and funny and they will really inform how you read the spec. Brenna um, sent us some examples of like specifically marginalia that was mentioned in this fic. Yeah. Um, and they were indeed very funny. Legendary. Yeah. Very enjoyable. But yeah, um, before I get into sort of what I wanted to talk about with it beyond, like, the historical context, I guess, um, what did you guys think of it? This Vic was so funny. Like, okay, I, I think we might have mentioned this last episode, but part of the reason we decided to do this episode um, is because, like, you had offhand mentioned the idea of bringing this Vic, like, kind of <laughs> as a joke, and then Nick and I were like, no, absolutely, you have Want to bring to it. to read it, But, yeah. like... I had no idea what to expect from it. Like, I, you had, you had talked about it very briefly, I think, when you first found it, like, back in January or something, when Yuletide Reveals had happened. Um, Well, I think this one was actually, um, I think this was 2018. Let me take a look. Yeah, 2018. Maybe you just, like, found it around the time we were doing Yuletide. I feel like you read it a little while ago. I think so. I think I was going through some of the other collections, like, at the same time that fix were posted for this past year. I thought you were going to say, I think I was going through something. <laughs> I think I was probably going through something and I needed Brother John and Brother Matthew to aid me. Yeah. Well, okay, so you had mentioned it. Nick and I were like, hell yeah, we mm-hmm. want to talk about this in the pod. I still didn't know what to expect, but I was not expecting it to be this funny. Like, um, like you said, like, we'll read some lines from it, but, like, a, a lot of the lines, like, made me, like, audibly laugh. Yeah. Um, which was so, like, delightful. I don't know. It, I feel like if you had pitched this idea to me where you're, like, two monks are writing to each other about, like, marginally and illuminated text, I'd be like, mm, not my thing. <laughs> no thanks. A little snooze fest. A little bit, yeah. But, like, I don't know. I really think, we've talked about this before on the podcast about, um, 
things that like what what counts as fic and what doesn't and just sort of like discovering little gems on AO3 like mm-hmm. the fic that I brought for last episode by all definition sounds whack and yet it goes so hard and I think this is like just such a good example of like um someone in Yuletide seeing something and going like oh hell yeah like I'm gonna wild out on this concept and have fun with it um and I just think it is such a delightful part of fandom to discover these little things that like I don't know as we were saying in our intro like you do Yuletide fix sort of for you and I guess your recipient and you're not really expecting anyone else to read it or at least that was our perspective and I feel like probably a perspective that many Yuletide authors hold like I, I don't want to speak for this author, but I want to assume that if they've written other fics, they didn't think that this was going to be their top kudos, top bookmarked, top commented on fic. Um, so it's just, it's fun to to dig into something that is like really just done for the joy of it. Yeah, it was a riot. Um, I don't know what I had even heard about this fic from Bren or like what I had forgotten from what you told me about it. Very little, I think, because I remember when I was, I was about to go into it and I was like, all right, here we go, a solemn meditation <laughs> on the monotonous work of copying manuscripts. <laughs> like, and then I read it, and the first paragraph, I was losing my mind. It's like a whole thing about, oh, it was so mortifying to not be able to eat that delicious bird. It's <laughs> like, excuse me? <laughs> wow, incredible. Um, I just was so delighted the entire time that I was reading it. It literally is like a thousand words long. It's super, super quick. Seriously, please read this fic, y'all. Um, what Bren said is totally accurate. It does read in a lot of ways like original fiction. Like, I think that if we were even able to call it RPF, it would be sort of accidental. Like, maybe, like, I'm sure a brother John and a brother Matthew existed (laughs) at one point. Could this be considered RPF of them? How close does it have to be to their original personalities? Do we have to know that they exist? If I write a book and the main characters are like Linda and Jacqueline, what if like those are people who exist and they're like, wow, it's us. <laughs> Sorry, the way that you said that implies that like there is no one on the planet. <laughs> Linda or Jacqueline. I personally have like... never met a Linda or a Jacqueline. <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, I think that's a good point, Nick. Like, I think in some ways, um, like, this is less RPF in that it is about Brother John and Brother Matthew, historical people, but more that, like, the thing that is actually, like, the real thing that's being, like, brought into fic is just these little doodles. Like, I think it does sort of ask this question of, like, what constitutes fic? And I think... I think Yuletide in general can ask that question. Like, what is fandom? What is fic? What are our boundaries on that? And and to be honest, that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring this one, like, especially once we decided, like, to do a Yuletide episode, because I think it really pushes that boundary. And I just think that's so fun. Like, I mean, you can post original fiction on AO3 as well. Like, that's, like, you're not, like, disallowed from doing that. <laughs> um, but I think in general, like, you know that is sort of separated from fan fiction in mm-hmm. readers' minds. So something like this where it's like, yeah, it's for like a fic fest sort of. Um, like it's for Yuletide. It's it has a fandom. Like, what does that mean? And I think that that's just like a really cool space to play in. Definitely. Like, yeah, I have not read almost any original fiction on AO3. I can think of one that I read. Um, where there is like an incubus who's kind of a frat boy 
Oh, you told us <laughs> yeah, about this. You know, you know. Uh, it was really good. Um, but, like, it was by an author that I knew and, like, really liked already. I don't know that I would have, like, ventured out to find it on my own. And it's not a thing I look for because I think part of the appeal of fan fiction is, like, you already know these characters and, like, love them. Okay, I say that as if that's, like, my universal experience. And I already know Barnacle Goose and I love them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I say that as if I haven't brought fic to the pod for fandoms I'm not even in. But (laughs) I think a big part of the appeal when you're just browsing is, like, okay, I want to take this thing that I love and explore it further in a different way through, like, someone else's perspective, however they decide to kind of frame these characters in this story. Um, And so, like, for me, no, I I don't know hardly anything about illuminated manuscripts or Brother John or Brother Matthew or the penis tree. So going into it, I was like, all right, here we go. What's going to happen? But, like, I really enjoyed that. I liked that it had a a large element of original fiction. I think that's part of, like, what this pod has been for me, too, is starting to really learn more and appreciate... I say this as if I haven't read, like, books, but I think, like, (laughs) you know... um, I think it is nice to be able to read outside of your own fandom and to develop a love for characters and to know that, like, there are writers who are very much able to make you care about characters even when the reader is already assumed to be in that space with them. I think, like, a lot of fic doesn't necessarily need to convince you of anything because you're already there with them. But I always appreciate when it does a little bit. I feel that way, especially with, like, ships. I'm, like, straying away from this fic now, but I'm just thinking about how, like, my favorite fics, I feel like I wouldn't even have to be in the fandom to read them in a lot of ways. Most of them are better because I was in the fandom and I had more knowledge and I was able to pick up on things more quickly, but... I think when authors are really able to show you what works about something and show you why you should care and then like take you on that journey. I appreciate it. And I felt that way, I guess, about this like (laughs) 1000 word epistolary fic with Brother Matthew and Brother John. Nick, I feel like what you said was really like insightful. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Like, you know, has a lot to say about what fan fiction can provide. And like Mm -hmm. you said, you know, like really good fics. You don't need to know about the fandom in order mm-hmm. to uh, to have someone else appreciate it. And yeah. I feel like some something else that fanfiction can do really well is sort of um, the ability to be a sort of universal experience. Um, you know, that a fic doesn't necessarily have to be set in... Well, I don't... Okay, listen. <laughs> here's where I'm going with this. I'm really trying. Um, so I kept, I kept like pulling lines from this fic because it was really funny. Um, and I kept pulling Brother Matthew's lines, and then I got tired of writing Brother Matthew over and over again, so I abbreviated him briefly to BM. But if you're in K-pop fandom, you might be aware that BM is the stage name of, uh, Big Matthew, who... How to even describe Big Matthew? Um... Well, I think that BM is most well-known for within K-pop fandom, aside from his actual, like work as an idol in the sure. group card um, is what he calls Big Titty Gang, uh-huh. <laughs> um, which is a collection of people. Uh, I don't know what the boundaries are, <laughs> but it seemed to originate with him and some other idols who have well-defined, mus- mu- I can't say this word, musculature, <laughs> and who work out together a lot. Um yeah, so he just sort of that's, like he out. makes merch. Yes. He says whatever he wants. Um, he 
is so funny. And me typing BM and then immediately having the image of this like jacked K-pop idol in like a monk's robe <laughs> writing letters to his friend just absolutely killed me. Another um, historical image is just like a regular like medieval monk who mm-hmm. probably isn't jacked wearing one of BM's like merch line jerseys that say big titty gang on them yeah 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 also a very good thought my image i think is somewhere in the middle Mm -hmm. so it is someone who is pretty jacked (laughs) um but instead of drawing penises ah big titties big titties big Big titty tree big titty tree yeah Yeah, i mean btt for sure (laughs) It, it could just be like I, Brother John, on my adventure today, saw a marvelous tree, <laughs> one that I had never seen before. I mean, if, there's, if there is the penis tree, why not exactly. a big titty tree? No, I think it's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. This, no, I, this has I nothing to do with in a, in a non-sort of ironic way, like, I do think that's kind of a, like, I don't want to say like a good point, <laughs> but like... I do think I do think that kind of the fact that we can go off and imagine what other like really hilarious little doodles could exist is sort of why this fic exists in the first place. Like I think what's so delightful about it is that these little marginalia are are so like delightfully human and I think there's something really wonderful in the experience of looking at something that was probably produced like over a thousand years ago and you just feel this kinship with this person to like the little dumb drawings you doodled in like your school notebooks (laughs) but they're doing in these like very expensive (laughs) like gospel books but I think it just like I think it is like this kind of unique experience within like art and culture to look at something and really feel like you get what the person was going through when they were doing it like that they were bored and that they were daydreaming and that like you can sort of expand on that I think that that's what this fic does so well like it's such a good little window into sort of like what what have humans done throughout the ages um and I think it I think it's telling that like we still find it funny (laughs) I don't have a specific example coming to mind right now but I feel like that happens I want to say decently often where like there will be some sort of like archaeological find or like some Mm -hmm. historical find or something (laughs) and it seems like it's like this oh like I feel like there's something from like Pompeii where they like Mm -hmm. finally like translated some writing and you think it's going to be this like big historical thing and it's literally two dudes who are like it's like like lol Reed was here like there's some like Roman like tiling I think that that's pretty like, well-known, that's, like, based on a skeleton, and, like, the text basically says YOLO, but it's probably on someone's, like, floor <laughs> in their villa. <laughs> there is just something so wonderful, I think, when you see that in some ways, like, people have always been the same. Like, there's some mm-hmm. something really great about, like you said, Bren, like, these medieval monks, bored doodling in their margins. Me in my high school math class, bored doodling mm-hmm. in my margins. Like, yeah. there's something, I don't, like, I don't really know how to uh like put into words it is just like there's just something nice about it this fic plagiarized me oh realizing now that we're talking about this okay so from oh. second through fourth grade uh-huh. my best friend from elementary school and i would email each other on our emails um and because we like had to get them for school and it was like here's an email mm-hmm. like here's how this works blah 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 whatever the only thing i used it for was to email my best friend and we would email each other <laughs> 
we, we would draw things in Microsoft Paint and then email them back and forth. <laughs> That's what this feels like a little bit of like our little nonsense of like, oh, my day was good. Like we knew how each other's days were. We were in school together. But like, I would be like, hey, BFF, like, da, 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 da. <laughs> I still have one of those exchanges starred on my laptop, I think, because it's my same email I've had since second oh grade. Oh my god. <laughs> I did not have an email in second grade. Yeah, it's good. I really love this fic. Should we close this off by reading a few of our favorite lines? Oh, yes. I would love nothing more. Okay, um, I'll kick us off. So this comes from one of the letters from Brother John, and it says, Both the hare and the snail were doughty warriors, giving not an inch even under the most fearsome blows. I hid behind some mulberries and watched the animals fight from sunup to sunset. At dusk, the hare and the snail bowed to each other and parted ways. (laughs) Yeah, they did. (laughs) Like, it's so good. Mine is, I referenced it earlier. I'm going to read the proper quote from the beginning. Also a Brother John line. Brother John out here with the iconic lines. I walked along the beach for some time, thinking in my heart of how much I enjoy the flesh of the goose, and how trying it is to go without it during our most excellent season of Lent. There is no better way to mortify my spirit than to go without that delicious bird. (laughs) (laughs) That's literally like two lines into the fic, I was losing it. Um, Great, to balance it out, I'm going to do two quotes by... Brother Matthew, BM, if you will. Well, because you both did one by Brother John. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So I'm here to to bring the BM rep. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) Go on. One of them is, Snails and hares cannot do battle like knights. They are too small and know nothing of metallurgy. Um, And the other one is immediately after. So Brother Matthew's like, Brother John, this is ridiculous. They can't fight. Let me tell you about my bees, though. They were singing in a full chorus. Um, so immediately after that, uh, he goes, They were aligned just like a choir as they lifted their voices to the heaven. Being mere bees, they did not sing in Latin, but instead praised the Lord in the vernacular. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Uh, I wrote, TBH, I'm dying. Brother Matthew, what is up? Just because every line was so Brother funny. Matthew, what is Brother up? Matthew, that's is that what I'm just gonna call BM from now on? I think yeah. maybe. Oh, I think, I think so. it has to be. Yeah. Uh, uh, let me slide into BM's DMs, DMs. and then go. Hey, <laughs> Big Matthew, I have some rebranding ideas for you. <laughs> I have a reading recommendation. <laughs> they, they involve medieval marginalia. Are you, you hyped? Like his his next clothing hyped? line is like a cross between medieval marginalia and the big titty gang. Yeah, I'm ready. I will purchase that. Yeah. So would I. BM, we could be your marketing <laughs> managers. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> irregardless of whether BM chooses us to make him some big titty tree merch, um, this thing was a delight. It was so funny. Um, I think it really sort of captures the spirit of Yuletide for me. Um, thank you, AO3 user Sath, for this just gem of a piece of fanfic. Um, I'm so glad my co-hosts wanted to read it with me. <laughs> And that we could talk about it. Uh, Thank you for bearing with us listeners as per usual. Um, I hope you enjoyed this as well. So my fic for this episode is called Out of the Night, an Interview with a Mockingjay by A Thousand Winds. And it is a fic for the Hunger Games trilogy by Suzanne Collins. 
the Hunger Games. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is like, published what's, in 2010. What's one of the, like, we should have made the sound that's like the horns in the arena or whatever. Oh, oh no, I hate there's cannons. a special they're noise. Cannons. They're, they're cannons. cannons. No, but the cannons are the deaths. Isn't there like another sound too? I don't oh, know. Oh, the cornucopia? The, are, the you, are you thinking about what happens um, at the end of each night in the movies where they play like a little uh, jingle? And I think so. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's copyrighted, but like, I'll, maybe I can sprinkle that in. <laughs> I got it. Okay. <laughs> that's, I that's bad audio. I, don't think, it I think that's that. how it goes. <laughs> I have a I have a photographic memory mm-hmm. of every single one of these movies perfectly, and we're about to find out as I recap the Hunger Games <laughs> for anyone who's not familiar. Yeah. So, okay. Here's the premise. If you're somehow not familiar, I feel like they're pretty culturally relevant to like. The United States in the last, like, decade, but... Yikes. I know. Well, I meant, like, as, as like, an art and culture thing, but otherwise also, yikes. Okay. The Hunger Games. Premise. Uh, every year, 24 children between the ages of, I think, 12 and 18 are selected uh, via lottery to participate in the Hunger Games, uh, during which they all fight to the death until there's only one left. They get sent to an arena every year. It's a little bit different. Um, there are horrible monsters and the environment trying to kill you, and also everyone's trying to kill each other. So, yeah, uh, the tributes, as they're called, these kids are selected from 12 different districts that are all sort of known for different things and produce different resources. They are varying levels of wealthy or poor. Um, our main characters in this fic, Katniss and Peeta, are also the main characters, really. Well, Katniss specifically, the main character of the entire trilogy. They're from District 12. Um, so they both end up participating in the Hunger Games. Katniss volunteers for her younger sister, Prim, so she takes her place, and then Peeta is selected. And one of the main things with their relationship and with the Hunger Games' story itself is that the way in which they attempt to garner sympathy from all of the people watching, so from the districts and also from the capital, which is where, like, imagine the Great Gatsby a little bit, like those kinds of parties, but it's a whole... I'm thinking, like, wasteful, excessive, hoity-toity, <laughs> fancy. Um, like, that's the idea. Heart- heartless. I guess that might be harsh toward the Great Gatsby. Yeah. Um, so they they all watch the games and the tributes try to garner sympathy. So one of the ways in which Katniss and Peeta do this is by running with the narrative that they're in love with each other. Um, so that is its own whole situation um, where you later find out, you know, Peeta was very much in love the whole time. Katniss was saying it for the cameras. Um, they end up winning their games together. Congratulations, Katniss and Peeta. Um Throughout, all the rest that you really need to know um, from the next couple of books for this is how it ends, essentially. So I'm going to skip Catching Fire. It's a good book. I enjoyed it. Read it if you want to. Don't worry about this for right now. Um, Mockingjay um, features District 13, sort of this hidden underground district um, where Katniss and Peeta end up going to like hide out for a bit. Uh, the president, President Coyne, is uh, ostensibly this rebellion leader, but in the end, kind of turns out to be just as bad as the president of the capital. It's its own thing, but Katniss ends up killing her. Um, And uh, that is the end of District 13, but also the games end by the time Mockingjay ends. So, like, that's cool. And Mockingjay ends with an epilogue. So, in the epilogue, it's set many years after the end of Mockingjay, 
um, where Katniss and Peeta are adults. They have kids now, uh, which was a very controversial choice by Suzanne Collins at the time. I remember people had very mixed opinions on it because, like, Katniss always was like, I'm not maternal. Like, this is not what I want. Like, this world is horrible, blah, blah, blah. And then she, like, has kids. Um, Anyway, that's how it sort of ends. And they're living in District 12, kind of doing their thing. Ooh, okay. I missed a lot. Read the books if you're interested. Most of you knew all of this already, so I'm just going to move on. Uh, Great. This fic. Um, I don't know that it has any, like, major specific content warnings. Uh, the, the book covers a lot of them. Uh, the main one that I would describe, I guess, is just, like, trauma and, like, the implication of PTSD, which I think is very fair. Um, and I guess, I don't know, just, like, descriptions of, like, a, a war-torn place. Uh, the, the districts were the site of lots of rebellion. There's, like, this weird kind of grief tourism, as it's described in the fic, where people go and, like, see things and stuff. But otherwise, I don't think there's anything, like, super specific. Yeah. Um, okay. This fic is told through uh, glossalton.s at districtjournal.com. That's the, well, <laughs> Sapphire is the name of our reporter. Um, which I didn't even really realize until I went back and looked because my reading comprehension sucks. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> and no here worries. we do a podcast about fan fiction. Uh-huh. Hey. Sapphire Glosselton is our journalist. Um, so this fic is told, we get an email at the very beginning from Sapphire to who we assume is their, like, editor, um, with the Mockingjay article. So the email is just like, hey, here's my article. Thanks for letting me do this. And then attached is a long-form article where Sapphire goes and interviews Peta sort of a little bit, but the, the interview really is with Katniss the Mockingjay, who is this, like, major symbol of the revolution. It's, it's canon compliant. It's very, very closely aligned with the epilogue. I would say that they, like, totally match up and that the timing of this article is very similar to the time that we check in on Katniss and Peta in the epilogue. So, yeah. That's the Hunger Games and this fic. <laughs> what did y'all think of it? Yeah, I thought it was fun. Um, I mean, you know, it's it's a fairly serious fic, yeah. but like, it was kind of fun to revisit the Hunger Games. I mean, this is a book series I definitely read in like mostly in middle school, I think. And I, I, I mean, I remember definitely enjoying the books. I def- I saw all the movies too, but I wasn't like deep in Hunger Games in any way. Um, but you know. I, I, I consumed enough of the content to know what's up in this fic. Um, and it was, like, it, I always think it's fun to sort of go back to media from, like, earlier in your life, whether that be some a fandom you were really into or just something that you didn't engage in fandom with as much. Um, so for me, like, that was really enjoyable. And I think, yeah, like, another kind of part of why Yuletide can be fun sometimes is, like, either discovering fandoms for things you didn't know existed or, like, going back to ones that, like, you weren't really a part of or you were, but it's small and now someone's writing brand new fic for it. Like, all of that kind of stuff is fun. So I think the sort of, like, nostalgia of it um, is, like, one of the things that I still find enjoyable about, like, Yuletide and looking through what's going on in those collections these days as well. Um, But yeah, I thought it was a clever fic. Like, I guess it's technically kind of like a media fic in that it's all this, like, piece of journalism. And that's actually something I kind of want to talk about later, like, how it compares to other media fic we've read. Like, 
I think a lot of the media fic I've read tends to pull lots of little bits from different sources, and you might have, like, a section from an article like this, but you probably wouldn't get the whole thing. And I thought it was interesting to structure a full fic as an article and, like, sort of the implications for that. And kind of also, like, the differences between, like, what a what a fic needs to do as a fic that maybe wouldn't be in a piece of published journalism, but then also sometimes, like, published journalism can read, like, sometimes you know like there are definitely profiles of people out there that that kind of read a lot like this where you can tell that the uh, like author of the article is a big fan of the person they're profiling um, so I thought it was interesting and I think it's sort of an interesting choice too uh for a setting like uh the Hunger Games which is a I guess like post dystopian setting at this point um what does it really mean to profile someone in this manner i thought was like something i was thinking about while reading it but i thought it was really interesting um yeah i enjoyed reading this i i thought it was like a really good choice too for like a yuletide episode i think all three of these go in such different directions Mm -hmm. and i think that's what's really fun about it like we can say that these have this sort of unifying umbrella but like (laughs) you can do a bajillion things under that umbrella so um yeah I enjoyed it. I have definitely have stuff I want to talk about with it, but Reed, what did you think? Yeah, um, almost immediately, I was like, wow, the, I guess, like, world expansion, less than world building, but the world expansion of this mm-hmm. fic was so well done, because I have not thought about The Hunger Games since the last movie came out. Um, I had read... I think all of the books before the first movie came out. I'd read the books, like, in middle school. The movies came out when I was in high school, I think. And, um, yeah, like, I really liked it at the time, but I I don't really think I, like, engaged with it in, like, a quote-unquote fandom way. Like, maybe I saw some gift sets on Tumblr and stuff, but I had not... Mm. I'd definitely never gone looking for fic. I'd never, like, uh, beyond my friends at school who were also reading it and watching movies and into it. Like, I'd never gone, like, seeking other fans of it. Um... And this fic made it really easy to fall back into it. Some of the descriptions in the article uh, had me, like, very nostalgic. I was like, oh, wow, like, I really loved this series Mm -hmm. um, at the time that it was coming out. And it was, um, yeah, like I said, it was very nostalgic. It was very, like, fun, I guess, to return to it and to feel, like, deeply rooted in the story, despite having spent so many years away from it. One thing that's really big in the last book of uh, the series is... Um, due to a number of things that are not worth getting into, Katniss and Peeta sort of have, uh, trouble determining what is real and what isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and they sort of develop a thing by the end of the book that is real or not real. Like, they check in with each other over and over again, like, is this moment happening or is this fake? Um, and I thought that the way that this fic addressed that was really interesting. Like, that was a theme woven throughout this article. Um, And even in the very beginning, like, in the email that Sapphire sends to their editor, Mm -hmm. they say, like, oh, you know, like, we had to do this in print because people don't trust video anymore because it can be so easily faked. (laughs) Um, That's so clever. Yeah, which I thought was so well done. But then also, like, I mean, there's a bit in the article where, like, Katniss and Peeta have a real or not real moment. But also, like, the Sapphire as a journalist, like, interjecting, like, their own thoughts sort of touches on this idea of reality or not reality. Um... Which, that was just, like, fun for me. It was a thing, again, I'd sort of forgotten that that was so central to the books by the end. Um, and I thought that was a fun theme to see echoed back. I also thought, like, the character, I guess, of Sapphire was really interesting. Like, this is not, um, as sort of, like, Brenna was alluding to, like, this is not, like, an unbiased, like, here's a factual 
publication on Katniss mm-hmm. and Peta, but mostly Katniss. Yeah. Like um, Peta's like there. Peta's there. The profile's on Katniss. Yeah, <laughs> but but it's not like it doesn't read like directly like factually in part because like Sapphire sort of interjects like their own comments and thoughts. Um, and I thought that was really interesting too, mm-hmm. like to see this world and this series again through the eyes of an OC was really clever. Yeah. I loved the series so much when I was small. This was like, I've said, I've, I've gone on record saying that Glee is my first fandom. I don't know that that's like strictly true. Glee is the first fandom I like read a fic for. God, I hate saying that, but I, I have to. <laughs> um, but The Hunger Games was maybe the first fandom that I engaged with in a fanish way before I really realized what that meant. Like I made a Katniss Xpeta playlist. Um, Hell yeah. Thank you. Um, Love when, a fan mix. Yeah, when one of the movies came out, I wore my Mockingjay shirt with like jeans and boots and asked my mom to braid my hair like Katniss style to go see it. <laughs> I think it was the first Hunger Games movie. I went back and checked the dates. Um, yeah, like the passion, the drama. Nick and I did a bit of reminiscing together as Nick was remembering this, <laughs> this fashion. I also recalled um, in... Uh, before the first movie came out, mm-hmm. my mom and I threw, like, a Hunger Games-themed party <laughs> where, like, we made, like, Hunger Games-themed food. Like, there was, like, a stew. There was, like, a, a quote-unquote poisoned berry dessert. Like, there was a whole thing. And then we, like, went to the theater and waited until midnight for the midnight release. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, talking about that as we were talking yeah. about it with each other before we were recording made me so nostalgic. I was like, wow, truly movie releases in middle school and high school were just so different. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I will ever be able to recapture the feeling of waiting in line for like Twilight New Moon. You know, it's a very specific era of my life. Waiting in line for the Fit Click film. Mm -hmm. The feature film. (laughs) Yes. Coming out. Well, that'll be a different, that'll be a different feeling. 2028. Oh. Anyway. Yeah, it just, I don't know, it brought me back a lot. One of my favorite fics of all time, and one that was on my top fics of the decade list, um, is a, a legitimate crossover um, in which, like, Hunger Games characters show up. It's not just, like, a Hunger Games AU. Um, and I think part of that is because, like, the characters in the world are so strong. Like, they, they hold up in a lot of ways. Whereas I think some other worlds, it's either, like, the fic of that world, or it's, like, an AU of it. But I think it's harder to to mesh those things. That's a whole other thought, but... Oh, I love this fic! I love Sapphire as a journalist. Not in, like, a Sapphire is the best journalist ever thought. Even though, like, I thought it was a fun article. I enjoyed reading it. Um, But I think just in a, like, the perspective is so different as someone who, like, really didn't seem to be at an age to, like, really remember the reality of the games um, and, like, how that generational sort of difference came into play as someone who had been on, like, field trips to the districts to see, like, the most ravaged areas. I thought that it did so much for our understanding as readers to be able to read between the lines of what Katniss was saying and like as she's remembering we're remembering with her even what Sapphire doesn't know um and so I just the the framing was so good and like hearing now the way that the dates line up between Mockingjay coming out and this fic being written it makes so much sense that it like 
it felt so much like someone read Mockingjay and was like, I want more of this. What happens in the future? Wait, what happens next? What happens next? Like that, it felt like that very pure, specific kind of like wanting a fic for something right after you finish consuming the content. Yeah, I mean, I was actually thinking about some sort of similar, like similar thoughts, Nick, especially about like our journalist Sapphire's sort of perspective in this fic. All right, Fick, let's bear with me for a moment. Um, AO3 user 1000 wins if you're listening to this. <laughs> bear with me for a moment. Okay, when I was reading this article, I was like, hmm, this is a good fic. If this was a real article in our real world, how would I feel about it? And I felt like I probably wouldn't like it all that much. But that's because I, I, I think for this fic, though, like that's kind of an interesting point or, or even like a good point because I think what it kind of gets at for me is what is the culture of of the media like this long after the events of the books um like what are people looking for what is the media still looking for and I think there's still this remnants of this sort of like like this like cult of celebrity this like cult mm-hmm. of popularity that like still exists around Katniss that I think is and I I don't know if this is an intentional choice by the author or not, but like is in some ways reminiscent of the media of the capital in the books. And like that's not to say like, oh, Sapphire's a bad person. Like as an OC, I don't think that's my point at all. Like it's more just like what what are we seeing about the culture of this world through the writing style? And a lot of it is this sort of like very like Ooh, Katniss Everdeen, like on a pedestal yeah. kind of mm-hmm. vibe, you know? And you also get this vibe from Katniss too that like she doesn't trust the media, you know? Like, yeah, she she gives some good kind of quotes here, and, like, the whole point is that she kind of drops a bombshell in the middle of it, too, I guess. Um, but it also feels superficial in a lot of senses. Um, you can tell that she's very aware that she's giving an, an interview, you know? Um, oh, yeah, there's this line that says, Yeah, says Katniss Everdeen, People have always wanted to write their own stories about me and PETA. I suddenly feel that I am only the latest in a long line, that Katniss Everdeen and Peter Malark are almost fictional now. We have written and rewritten their stories so many times that they belong more to myth than reality. And I, I, I as much as I like, <laughs> I mean, that's one of those things where I was thinking about it and I was like, wow, if I was reading this in like, I don't know, um, Vanity Fair or something like <laughs> in our world, I'd probably be like rolling my eyes um, because I just personally don't love when journalists like insert that much of themselves into an article like I'm, I'm not like sorry journalist I'm not really reading it for you <laughs> but I think because it's thick we really want that perspective from the journalist like coming to interview Katniss like that's what we're curious about is this outside perspective on her um and I just thought it was like interesting too to sort of realize that this like how Katniss is viewed still within within society um as this sort of as this person who like uh, yeah her story has has not like, in the books, we come to realize that Katniss's story is not really her own, you know? Like, it's it's being written by others. That's kind of a big point of the books. Um, but I think in this, we, we realize that Katniss never really got to reclaim that either. Like, she did get to reclaim a lot of things, I think. But her story is still largely told by other people and by their, like, thoughts and feelings on the matter. And, like, here, by Sapphire's perspective on it. Um, so I thought I thought for this fic... It was clever what we could infer about society, about what they want from Katniss via the way that this is written. Well, Bren, sort of going off your point, um, I also was having, as I was reading this fic, I had some, like, 
thoughts about what this would look like, like if this was an article like published in, as you said, a Vanity Fair or something like that. Um, and something that I thought was so clever and so interesting um, is that the summary for this fic says, I didn't love PETA. That was all for the cameras. After 25 years, Katniss Everdeen breaks her long silence to speak to our star reporter. And then in the very beginning, you get this email from Sapphire to her editor, and she says, like, there's a great bit about a thousand words in. You'll know the one I mean. We've got to use it for the poll quote, which is this bit where Katniss says, I didn't love PETA. But when you get to that actual part in the article, it says, I didn't love PETA for a very long time. That was all for the cameras. And it's really intentional, that choice to say, I didn't love PETA. That was all for the cameras versus I didn't love PETA for a really long time. And I could just so easily picture, like, in the way that articles will do where they pull, like, a kind of, like, shocking quote or whatever and put it, like, really large and, like, up into the right of the column. And so it's, like, the first thing that catches your attention on the page. I don't know. I just thought that was so fascinating because I was, like, well, as, like, Bren said, like, they're still painting this very specific image of Katniss. Like, it's still the media who's trying to get, like, attention and still Mm -hmm. um, capitalizing on... Katniss and Peta's like story and their like narrative and that whole thing but also I just it felt like something I would see so easily echoed Mm -hmm. in a profile of a celebrity like in a magazine that I would read um I don't know that really struck me yeah one of my favorite things and and Brandy touched on this a bit with like the the cult of celebrity and this fic is that there is such a tension between who Katniss is and who the Mockingjay is. Um, there, there's a line toward the beginning of the fic where Sapphire writes, I came to interview the Mockingjay for some reason I was not expecting Katniss Everdeen. <laughs> and like, on the one hand, like, well, you knew you were going to interview Katniss Everdeen. though, <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like maybe you should have been expecting Katniss Everdeen. But on the other hand, like, I do think it's really interesting because like, media and society at large in a lot of ways loves to mythologize its like contemporary heroes and loves to turn them into these paragons of virtue and perfection and sort of this like saviorism um and then you like go and talk to a human being who is like your height i don't know it's it's a little bit different and i think and if they are your height they can no longer be virtuous (laughs) that's correct anyone who is my height is sinful in in my opinion except for me i'm perfect but anyone else watch yourselves um (laughs) no but i think like the mockingjay to to me, as someone who like when I when I read the books, this this felt very present. Um, the Mockingjay was like a martyr, and was like a, a symbol of martyrdom. But the issue is like the Mockingjay in in many ways, I would say, is dead by the end of this book. Um, but Katniss is not. So I think that is where some of this tension comes from. Of Katniss just wants to live her life. She has kids. She's minding her business. She doesn't want to smile for cameras anymore. Like, she's tired. She's living. She has things that she'll say to people, but she speaks like such a normal person who doesn't want to, like, constantly be dwelling on these things that made her into this, um, like, hero figure. Uh, I don't know. It's just interesting. I I also love the detail that um, she tries to avoid media about her but Peta keeps all of like the <laughs> the most unflattering things that are written about her <laughs> I thought that was really cute and their relationship in this was super sweet um but yeah I don't know it's it's the way 
the way that Katniss is written about, and you know it's not the first or last time she's been written about this way, is is dehumanizing in a lot of ways. And I think, I don't know, like you said earlier, she hasn't been writing her own story since she was 16. There is a sense of resignation in this piece that people are just going to write what they want about her and her defense against that is just sort of to stop caring <laughs> um, and to try and live her life and like raise her kids and mind her business and take things day to day when... When we read about Katniss, we don't get the sense that she is determined to be this hero and this rebellion figure for the rest of her life at all. In fact, it's largely the opposite. And so I think that is where, as well, some of the weird tension in this article comes from. If Sapphire came with the intention of interviewing the Mockingjay, like, of course, it's going to be a bit jarring to interview Katniss Everdeen instead. Ah, yeah, so this fic is, wow, very different from the other two. <laughs> um, I mean, I feel like I've said what I wanted to say about it. It's it's an article that gives us an outsider perspective on the very, very small sliver of Katniss and Peeta's life that we get in the epilogue. It expands it. It looks at what the world looks like. Um, it really digs into the world building and the characterization in a way that I found really satisfying as a reader. And I really imagine, imagine like requesting this for Yuletide and being like, I want something that sort of aligns with the epilogue of Mockingjay and getting this, hell yeah, A Thousand Winds, who wrote this in 2010. <laughs> You're great. Maybe someday you'll write me a Yuletide fic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Hi, Ficklets. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ficklick. Um, as always, if you'd like to hear from us more, you can find us on our social media. You can find us at Twitter and Tumblr at FitClick. Uh, you can also send us an email, fitclickpod at gmail.com. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we also have a Discord server um, that many of our lovely FitClits are in. Um, if you have an interest in joining us there, talking about fic, fic writing, doing some writing sprints with us, uh, that link is on our Twitter as well. We'd love to see you. Um, we also have some merch up on Redbubble. It's been a few apps since we mentioned that, so woo, there it is. Go check it out. <laughs> um, that link is also on Twitter. Wow, that's where you can find all of our links. <laughs> um, you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We would love to hear from you there. Um, those reviews just really make our day, and they really help get people to listen to our podcast as well, so we super appreciate it. Um, all right, so with that, um, let's get into what we're going to read for next episode. Read. Read, tell us. Read. Read. Speak to us. Read. Read. Share your thoughts it's with your us. It's time. Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, so next episode is a themed episode again. Um, what? What? Why? Oh, it's my birthday episode. Yay. Woo! Wow, honestly, absolutely wild. I remember planning for Brennan Nix and being like, oh, my birthday episode is so far in the future, mm -hmm. and now we're here. Well, time has lost meaning, and you could have told me that we did our birthday episodes like two weeks ago, and I would yeah. believe you some. Yeah, honestly, fair. Um, yeah, so following our tradition, I guess, for birthday episodes, um, I have picked a trope for my co-hosts to follow, and the trope is soulmates! Woo! Um, I am really excited honestly to talk about like this trope and I think different iterations of it and how my reading of it has changed across the years um ficklets okay here's the thing I really 
tried so hard and I read <laughs> so many different fics because I was like, ooh, you know, some of the ficlets in the Discord, rightfully so, were like, Stony Till I Die, we all know this, but like, wow, wouldn't it be nice to get out of the stony corner? And so I tried really hard and- <laughs> It wouldn't, actually. <laughs> and where I ended up was- it's my birthday, and you all will just have to put up with at least one more Steve Tony fic. I'm so sorry. Um, except not, because this is a really good fic, and an author who I've been following for, like, my entire fandom history in Marvel. Um, so the fic that I will be bringing is Following Your Footsteps by Sainola? You know, you would think for me following them for so many years, I'd maybe know how to say their name, but I don't. I'm so sorry, uh, but I am very excited to talk about this fic. Uh, Brenna, what are you bringing? Yes. Um, so my choice for this, and yeah, I <laughs> I sort of surprised myself with this one. Like, I really like the soulmates trope, so I read a lot of it over the years, and I was like, yeah, I have a lot I can pull from. And then I read this one really recently and was like, ooh, let's do this. Um, so it's called Absence of Heat, Excess of Destiny by They Call Me Superboy, and it is an Avatar The Last Airbender fic. Nick, what's yours? So... My fic is called Love Worth Waiting For by Bookland Reeve, and it is for two fandoms. Uh, the first is Frozen 2013, and the second is Mulan 1998. Oh my gosh. Hell yeah! Yes, uh, Soulmates is, no offense, read, not a trope I almost ever read voluntarily. <laughs> Bullying Nick into reading things we like. Uh huh. <laughs> I mean, listen. My birthday episode is major character death, I was so I feel say. like I have no room to talk. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. So the pairing for this fic is Elsa Mulan. There are a lot of other Disney characters that make cameos, so <laughs> I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, so you can look forward to that episode coming out July 24th. Um, until then, bye! bye. bye.